0: This is the Be On Mission Podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts in the New Testament and then the rest of the New Testament in what we're calling a chronogeobiological flow. So we're studying the chronology of the book of Acts and then veering off to the places, people, and topics address in Acts. And today we're doing a twofer. That is, we're looking a little bit at Acts and a little bit at first and second Timothy and a little bit at a few other places in a kind of a change-up from what we normally do and a change up in a change-up in who we normally do it with. We're There's three of us today. There's myself, Mark Alsasser, and my partner in ministry, Ben Greenbaum, as well as our intern, Ben Beek. So welcome, Ben. Thanks, Mark. Good to be with you guys. We're glad to have you here today. And this is going to be a good conversation because we want to talk about the person of Timothy as laid out in the book of Acts and several of the epistles, that is the letters in the New Testament, and I, I think it's a good conversation because the three of us are from different generations, kind of as demographers lay them out in in the American culture. I'm the tail end of the baby boomers. They're the last maybe three years of how they, they say the baby boomers fit in there, and Ben Greenbaum, you are what? Gen X. You're, all- the way. You're all the genetic. greatest, the greatest generation. Kind of, you, oh, I, you, Tom Brokaw is wrong. <laughs> well, he is now. Okay. Yeah. So you're as it, uh, as
1: it exists now, Gen X has emerged as the greatest
2: uh, generation, the greatest generation. I appreciate the sentiment there, but the greatest generation are like that. That's an actual generation pre that's
1: true. But as it exists now, I'm just, I'm just telling you,
0: you're saying as the other one. Dying yeah. We off.
2: watched
1: the boomers and the millennials fight one another. We by far have the best taste in music, and uh, there's a host of other things that we could we could share. Thank now, look, that's not to diminish the greatest generation. Praise be upon them. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that that Gen X, we have our place, though we're oftentimes forgotten by the Boomers and the Millennials they as they the fight with one title
0: another. Title Gen X for a reason. You are aware of that, right? It's like this mysterious variable. That uh, you use right. math that doesn't really mean much,
1: right? Right.
0: Um, you can. <laughs> this is going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is the <laughs> most Gen X yeah. has
2: ever been talked about in a single span of time,
0: right? And right. so, Ben Beaks, your what's your generation that you're a part of? I am right. Like
2: I am the dividing line between the millennials and Gen Z. So, depending on the day and depending on who people are more mad at, I flip flop between the two. Uh, Which
0: is typical for Gen Z and millennials. Of course, yes. I mean, it's very on at least par from a baby boomer perspective. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, think,
2: I think the generation that I probably most identify with is, is the millennials.
0: So, you know, it's because in the end, we're all just people. I mean, I've, I've traveled the world a little bit, not, not a lot, but I've been to some of the nicest places in the world and also some of the poorest places in the world. And, and I've observed that people are people. Mm-hmm. That's my big theological statement for the day. People are people no matter where they're from, how much money they have. They have the same basic needs. And I, I, in the end, I think that when you look at generations, people are people and we have the same basic interests and ideas and hopes and dreams and and, and so much that goes into that. However, there are some differences in the way we process life and what we look at with my I don't. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Both of your name Ben, so I was going to say Gen X Ben and Gen Z Ben today, or something like that. Um, he and, wants
1: to be called Millennial Ben.
0: Oh, yeah. Is, to, to, today that's I'll your, take that's Millennial your ben. Desire. Okay, yeah. So you're running from the Gen Z title, uh, however that works for you. So, so uh, I don't know how this thing, how this thing plays out, like in terms of how we approach ministry, and that's a little bit of a discussion I want to look at today. I don't know if we want to follow the, the demographers delineations between the generations or not, or just the the time in life, because Ben Beeks, you're in your twenties. And Ben Greenbaum, you're in your forties, barely. And uh called no.
1: out. I, I am actually well into my forties and I dis- I discovered just how well into my forties uh this uh this week. Um, at 47, when I discovered that Ben Beeks's millennial Ben's wife, her dad is a year older than me.
0: Oh, there you go, brother. And
1: it was shocking, right? And uh, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. happy
1: to give that one to you. Yeah, yeah, I was very appreciative of Emily when she shared that information with me. Yeah,
0: yeah, I hear you on that, and I'm in into my 60s. I'll be 62 next month, and what that means is that the moving target of the Senior citizen discount is always staying ahead of me. It's like a, it's like a carrot on the end of a stick, and so that whenever you think you've arrived, they say no. the The age is now sixty three. So we and can expect that to change again in around four years. By the time you're there will be one hundred and twelve, brother. And that's just how that's going to work. <laughs> that's fine. I'm I'm expecting it. <laughs> and so you know, and, and so my we have my wife and I have four daughters, and our youngest daughter is older than Ben Beak. So. We, we do have, give you that one. We do represent some different generations here that are interesting, and I and I, I think that's a a good thing. So the concept today, the topic today that I want to look at is this guy named Timothy in general, and how Paul grabbed a hold of him and said, I want to take you along. But that wasn't the beginning of his ministry call, nor the end of it, and he needed People in his life, Timothy did, to pour into him as a as a young person, a really young person. We'll see, and then as he grew up, and then he traveled, and then he had partners in ministry. Uh, Silas is one we're going to pick on today, and and just how important that is, because all of us are serving in ministry here together, and while we come at life from different perspectives, probably influenced by the the culture and the the generation in which we grew up we still have the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's that's the same so paul seemed to recognize that with Timothy so I, that's the kind of the discussion i want to lean into does that sound pretty good guys yeah all right so let's take a look at Timothy and there's there's a lot we can learn from him it's sort of from snippets all over the new testament but the the one thing i want to talk about first is how he was mentored in ministry and this began began at home because in second timothy chapter 1 the bible uh, paul's writing to timothy he's writing a letter to him in second his second letter second timothy chapter 1 and he says in verse 5 i've been reminded timothy of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother lois and in your mother eunice and i am persuaded now lives in you also and skipping now to verse 14 it says But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. That's pretty cool that his grandma and his mom taught him Scripture from day one. And of course, that would have been the Old Testament as we know it because New Testament hadn't been written down and it was being lived out in this period of time in which Timothy was growing up as a baby into a teenager or whatever it was when Paul met him. There's another aspect in which Paul speaks of his mentorship in Timothy's life. It's over in Philippians chapter 2, when Paul is writing to the Philippian people, and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. And here's what he says about Timothy. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So. He's, he's pointing out in these two places where Timothy had a, a mom and a grandma, then also Paul himself, who did this mentoring. I, this is my curious question for, the, for you guys. Is there, is there a person, there may be lots of them, but one that stands out to you that has mentored you in ministry in a way that is super valuable to you today, not only as a pastor, but also as a person, as a follower of Jesus?
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that, that spring to mind over the years. So, I mean, I'm a pastor's kid. And so I've, I've had a number of pastors investing in me for, well, pretty much since I was born. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm very thankful for people, people like you, Mark, as as well as uh, people like, like Alex Hershey, uh, who, you know, over the years have just made investing in me a, a consistent priority. But as you were reading that, um, that narrative uh, just about Timothy's heritage and and the the lineage that he's come from made me stop and consider even my own family line uh, just we we lost my my grandma this fall um and my dad of course is a pastor who has invested very deeply in me and my my life my walk my ministry over the years but i think dad's knowledge of scripture and and in, and his desire his calling to to be in ministry in many ways, comes out of the uh, the lineage of his mother and just everything that that she did, the way that that she raised him, invested in him, and she only did that because of her mother. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, just the the way in which Letha invested in Sue over the years, who then invested in in Brian, who has now raised me up in the faith. And so it's really cool just to be able to to look back and see the the generational impact that that's had over the that's years. Pretty
0: great legacy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Ben Greenbaum?
1: Uh, From a pastoral standpoint, uh, two men uh, stand out to me. One is Hugh McClure, who he was uh, gone to be with the Lord several years ago, but he was the interim pastor at Covington Presbyterian down in South Louisiana when I came, when I received Christ, and he just invested heavily in me. And uh, Hugh was somebody who both uh, intentionally nurtured me and just by the example that he set in ministry. He was one of the boldest men that I have ever met. He was also one of the men who had one of the most sensitive, uh, tender hearts. And so to see those two uh, characteristics built up in this one man really uh, helped to form me and who I am, I think, as a as a pastor and a person. And then early in ministry, um, after I had uh received a call to uh to to the church I was at on the south side of Indianapolis. I, I recognized a need to be mentored and um our music director, our worship director, uh Karen, her husband um is a Baptist minister uh here in central Indiana. He's retired now. But I reached out to her husband, whose name happens to be Mark as well. And uh and then Mark um served as a mentor to me. We'd meet, you know, once a month and he would just take, take sermons that I had preached or just different uh, happenings in life and, and kind of uh, plow into me uh, in a good way, um, just as an encouragement and in someone who just has an, an incredible amount of discernment. And, uh, and so for me to be able to bring issues uh, in ministry to him and have him uh, hash those things out with me uh, was an immense blessing. And uh, one time in particular, I was having a really difficult uh, moment uh, in ministry and had uh, had experienced some tension uh, with somebody. And to be able to have Mark really speak into me, and because when I went to him, I was angry and I was bitter about something that had occurred. And uh, Mark, while being an encouragement, also said to me, which are words that have stuck with me. And he said, "Why?" the the situation that had occurred, he said, why does it matter? He said, is your identity fixed in Christ or is your identity fixed in the circumstances of this world? Hmm. And uh, that th- those words have really shaped probably the last 15 years of, of ministry
0: for me. That's amazing. You know, I, want, I wonder if these folks even were aware of what they were pouring in to our lives. It, they didn't get anything for it. You know, other than maybe some satisfaction of speaking into someone's life. But would they have known that all these years later they would be in your minds and and in our minds? For me, there there are a super long list, and I could think about it from my childhood and then my young adult years, and then perhaps even more recently I've had lots of ministry coaches. But for the moment, I'm going to go back to when I was in college and attending a a campus ministry at Purdue University, and there were three different pastors over my four years there: John Elliot, Roger Callahan, Doug Dickey. They worked together and different in different combinations, but those guys gave me opportunities to let me work out my call. I mean, at that time, I was an engineering major and then ended up a math major, and wasn't really even thinking about ministry so, uh, so to speak, yeah. I was thinking about it, but I didn't know, but they gave me these opportunities to lead devotions on the stage in front of five hundred students and then to critique me on mm-hmm. on how it went and how it didn't go or and to help lead a mission trip. we took a a group of i it' was either fifty or a hundred I don't remember a lot of students every year between Christmas and New Year's out to Oklahoma to work in a in a mission there, and after doing it a year or so, they helped me. I got a chance to help lead that and to organize it and promote it, and I, I learned. They just let me learn about ministry. Whether it was it was a Christian church, so they communion every week, doing communion devotions. I mean, just so many opportunities. And I, again, if I were to run into any of these guys today, and I haven't kept up with them at, at all, uh, don't know if they're alive. It's been many, many years ago. But I wonder if they would know that what they put into my life. I think that may be a common thing. And maybe Paul knew with Timothy because he was with him and they were they were side by side and learning and and, and doing it together. But on the other hand, maybe he didn't. I mean, maybe he would Paul was just doing his thing and he had these sidekicks. And I wonder how many um other people that were not named Timothy. Came alongside him and just flamed out. Mm. didn't Didn't stay the course. didn't Didn't do it. And um, for some reason, Timothy received it. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a pretty great aspect of of ministry that we can pour into others' lives. But even even cooler is when people do it to us, isn't it? I, I really love that. So I'm going to switch gears here and talk about doing ministry alongside somebody. Timothy did a bunch of ministry alongside people. One of those was Silas, and there's a, a bunch of places in, in Acts that we can look at, the book of Acts. In Acts 17, verses 13 to 15, it says that basically Timothy and Silas were together, and it predates it back in chapter 16, even in Philippi, then Thessalonica, then Berea, then Athens. I mean, they were traveling all over the Greco-Roman world doing ministry side-by-side with one another, ministering with one another, preaching with one another. It says in in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul mentioned that the preaching came from from himself, Paul, and Silas, and Timothy, and they were doing ministry together. And it made me reflective to my early years in ministry after I had gone to seminary and was working toward ordination. There were three guys— Steve Helm, Chris McPherson, and Mike Anderson, and then I was the fourth, and we became very, very close friends through the ordination process. And long after we were ordained, we would come together and hang out with each other. Often have some kind of a a, a Bible study or thing that we were working through together. Pray for one another, uh, laugh, play cards, uh, just like live life together and and talk about like okay, we're all a bunch of guys in our 20s. We have no idea what we're doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have no idea what we're doing. So like, let's put our collective wisdom together, and none of us can know what we're doing. I think that's kind of how that worked. But it was like just partnering in ministry. It was so valuable to me in those early years, and I'm, I'm grateful for it because I don't know what, where I'd be today without that camaraderie and encouragement and sometimes challenge. I mean, we get in each other's grill and say, hey, what you're all twisted up about right now isn't worth it, and, and that, that was so valuable to me, so I don't know if, if you guys have some people you think, okay, I've done ministry beside this person, whether it's in, whether it's in pastoral ministry or just being a, a follower of Jesus that stands out to you as a valuable thing. Yeah, there's a couple of guys for me. Uh, one
1: is, is Tom Overton, um, who serves with One Mission Society. I forget what his actual title is now, but, um, I was on the back of a, a truck in Haiti when Tom experienced the call to, to ministry. But Tom also, uh, went to, uh, the Mount Auburn where I served on the South side of Indianapolis and, uh, he came there after I had gotten to, uh, to Mount Auburn, and we quickly developed a relationship, a friendship, and got to see him really grow in his relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And again, as I said, like experience his call into ministry. And he's somebody who I think that we have walked hand in hand uh, together uh, in, in ministry, in, in different facets, but in ministry, we've been a great accountab- accountability source uh, to one another, been able to call on one another. Uh, no matter the time of day or night and uh have spent a lot of time together and then the other one is, is probably Travis Taylor uh who serves as a as a pastor um in central florida now but was the youth director the family pastor um at mount auburn and uh and we we served together and in fact I'm the one who actually went to Travis's house and called him into ministry to become our our youth director he was working as a photographer at the time but somebody who was just well-versed in the scriptures, loves the Lord intensely, and uh, is an incredibly gifted uh, a pastor and, and shepherd of, of people. And so uh, Travis, again, he's been somebody who's been a, a real accountability source to me and, and somebody who I've been able to kind of, again, walk hand in hand in
2: uh, in ministry. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Bimbix, what do you got? Yeah.
2: So... I mean, there's really two groups of people that, that spring to mind for me. For, first of all, the, the first time where I, I think I really had uh, co-workers in ministry was was in college. Um, I was in Purdue musical organizations and, and was in the, the Glee Club at Purdue. Um, and there was a guy a few years older than me who had started what became known as PMO Bible study, um, I, I think during his sophomore, junior year. And so then I I come in, you know, he's a senior, I'm a freshman. And Uh, and we, we start working together on stuff. He ends up passing the baton to me the the next year then to, to kind of take over. And and then I I ended up leading PMO Bible study through the the rest of college. So, you know, of of course, Kirk, you know, just in, in the, the groundwork that that he laid there, he, he and I worked together on a lot of things, but then the people that I really co-labored with through college were, uh, the, the other co-leaders for various seasons, uh, Maddie and, and Kelsey and, and Maddie is married to Kirk, but that's a whole different that yeah how how that unfolds is a whole different thing. But um, so of course both of them and and then Kelsey and her now husband Chase uh, and and the two of them actually are now a part of our micro church and what we're doing. And so I continue to to co labor with with Kelsey and Chase, and we're really thankful for their partnership in ministry in now multiple seasons of life. But then I've also got a covenant group of of pastors that I meet with on a, a regular weekly basis. Uh, Justin and Devin, who actually, as you asked about, you know, who are, are the people that have invested in me over the years and poured into me, you know, kind of the mentorship. It's interesting because Devin can fit on two lists in my life. Uh, he very much started as a mentor. He's someone that he was in our church in Osceola. He's known me since I was two. Uh, he's invested in me over the years. He was the first person that brought me on to to intern at a church But then since that internship, he and I have continued to grow closer and closer and very much now see each other as co-workers in ministry rather than a a mentor-mentee relationship. I think that's
0: a pretty good point uh, that you're making, Ben, And that if we look at the relationship between Paul and Timothy in the Bible, I think it was exactly that, what you described. Initially, Paul grabs Timothy and says, follow me and watch me. And then in the end, like, hey, do this with me. And then, okay, you don't need me anymore. Go, Go over here and hang out in these cities and do some stuff with Silas and eventually go to Ephesus and you're you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you got it and, you, and I'll write you a couple letters. Yeah. Um and I think that's the a good model for ministry what yeah. you just described.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's okay for those relationships to evolve, you know, as you pick somebody up and and invest in them, pour into them and and call them mm-hmm. into ministry like I think if it functions well, the goal is to raise them up to that level that that it's no longer, you know, you're having to to give them milk, but instead they're able to eat the solid food on their own and, and to care for themselves. And they become that partner in ministry.
0: Now we're three pastors here talking about this topic and I'm the other three listeners that, uh, tune into that. Oh, there's more than that. Maybe are there now five, but Doug, there's, there's something. And, um, so, I mean, they're not pastors, most of them. So uh, what's the application of this for the, the person who's, just in love with God and doing ministry and serving and 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 giving and how does that play? Because we're we're talking a lot about pastors and how they've, how they've spoken to us. Of course, that's who we are and, and what we do, and that makes sense. it has been so influential in our lives. But there's another aspect, right, of just living life and being a follower of Jesus, but working at the plant or working at the hospital or or you know living living that normal life. So what what do we take from this? I, th- I think one of the principles I've tried to to live by
1: and tried to encourage and, and nurture in others, uh, which was really applicable. I used to head a, a decent sized men's ministry, and one of the things that we tried to impress upon the men was that you need to have a Paul in your life, you need a Barnabas in your life, and you need a Timothy in your life. So you need someone like a Paul who's nurturing you, who's who's really discipling you. You need somebody like a Barnabas who is walking alongside with you, who's that kind of mutual accountability partner. And you need a Timothy. Who are you investing in? Who are you discipling? Who are you nurturing? And so as I, I mean, and that's where it, it applies, it's a, a universal application, whether you're a pastor or not a pastor, these are people that you need in your life.
0: Yeah. So Paul had Barnabas, Silas had Timothy. I mean, there, there's a lot of examples of people doing that beside each other. And then that's a good point that Timothy needed Paul, but Paul also needed Timothy the Mm -hmm. mentor in his life. You know, I think one of the things
2: too that we get caught up in, in terms of the whole, you know, who am I investing in down the line and all of that is I think we let age be a factor when it doesn't need to be. You Mm -hmm. know, one of the things that um, one of the last things that I did at Delphi was uh, a discipleship group with three other guys every week for six months. Um, And, I was the youngest guy in the group. I'm the youngest guy in most groups that I'm leading at this point, but that's a, a whole different. Yeah. Um, but but one of the guys that, that I had in that discipleship group was a a guy named Kevin, who is at least 60 at this point. I mean, he's uh, he's got kids that are older than me. And and so um, and, and that was an awesome time for us to to just get to together and hang out. And for me to invest in them. And, you know, he very much in that season was a quote unquote Timothy character in my life. Um, and I, I think we get so hung up on like, you know, especially people my age, oh, you know, we've gotta invest down the line. Who's coming next? Who's younger than me and coming after me? And I don't think there's anything in scripture that indicates that we have to only invest in people that are younger than us.
0: It's it that just, may be the opposite. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: that's right. And that, that's
1: exactly right. And Paul really encourages Timothy on the exact point uh, that you're making here, Millennial Ben. And I think Mark and I can testify to the fact that there have been multiple Timothys in our lives who, from an age standpoint, demographic standpoint, are much older than we are where there's opportunities to learn from them and learn from their life experience and where they're at in life but from a standpoint of spiritual maturity there's that opportunity to invest in them and and Paul makes this point uh, to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy he says don't let anyone look down on you because of because you were young but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity he doesn't say set an example for those younger mm-hmm. believers but he's saying set an example for all believers. And so, yeah, to your point, I think that's where sometimes cultural cultural context and fixtures can become a problem where we think we need to go and find that person who from a, a physical age standpoint is younger than we are and then oh, there's our Timothy not realizing that we have relationships all around us that offer up that opportunity.
0: I think the takeaway I have from this is that of all the characters in the Bible, the Lone Ranger isn't one of them. You, you, we're just not called to go out and do it by ourselves. Well, even he had Tonto, but, <laughs> but you're not supposed to go out and just do it by yourself and ride right no. into town and and figure it out. That that all of ministry is is something we do together in community with one another, and sometimes that can be messy. It mm-hmm. can be, it can be challenging. It it can be, it can be just hard because. Mm-hmm the other person may not do it the way i do want to but that's kind of the point and we can learn something from that i ben beeks you you preached here recently mm-hmm. and i i filled up my journal with notes i learned some amazing things from yeah. from your message and if we ever get to the spot where we can't learn from one another it's just time to hang up the cleats and call it a game Amen. i mean I, I, that's it's it's kind of over you mm-hmm. know so, and I think there's a
2: pride thing in that that, you know, sometimes we, we do start getting older and, well, okay, you know, I've got more experience. I've got more knowledge. I can't learn from people younger than me. And yeah, if you reach that point, it's definitely time for a heart check because, you know, there, there can be people of all ages that, that you're able to, to still learn and, and glean new things from.
0: That's a good word. Well, thanks, guys, for, for jumping into this conversation. Uh, I think we could probably talk for two more hours about it. But I don't listen to those podcasts that last that long either. So I'm guessing others won't, won't if we keep on going. But it's been a really good, uh, good conversation. And next week, the two Bens, Ben Greenbaum and Ben Beeks, are going to head it up and continue this discussion, looking at maybe some of the content that's in the letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy. So, so I'll be excited to hear what you guys have to say folks if you want to jump in deeper you can go to our church's website fishersumc.org click on the beyond mission link and that'll take you to more elements in our year-long study that link has daily bible readings and devotions and poems as well as a a place you can go listen to the weekly sermon or watch that or the more podcasts and, and so forth if you want to stay up to date with these beyond mission podcasts we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may God bless.